The Waiting Room of Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch, the Rebbe Maharash, was filled with Hasidim waiting to be admitted into Yechidus, private audience with the Rebbe. The Gabbai who was in charge of these appointments was concerned because so much of the Rebbe's precious time was taken up with seeing these good Hasidim who came to the Rebbe with their questions and their problems. To add to his concern, the Gabbai had to take care of an unexpected visitor. Reb Shmuel Brun had come quite a long way to see the Rebbe on a matter of utmost importance. The Gabbai knew Shmuel Brun very well. He was a well-to-do merchant of alcohol, mashke, strong drinks. He owned his own distillery. He was a pious chassid. He would come to Lubavitch for special occasions like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur of Sukkot. But it was not like Shmuel Brun to come on a regular weekday in the middle of the year. Reb Shmuel Brun's troubled face told the Gabbai that the matter was indeed most serious. He told Shmuel Brun that it would be impossible to see the Rebbe that evening, but that he would try to get him in to see the Rebbe on the following evening. So all night long, Reb Shmuel Brun sat up in shul, saying to him with a broken heart. He reviewed his deeds to see where he might have failed and why he would deserve trouble such that he was in. Finally, he was admitted to the presence of the Rebbe. Now his feelings came out and his tears flowed freely. The Rebbe asked him what the trouble was. The Rebbe's soothing voice and kind eyes put Shmuel Brun at ease, and he began to tell his story. As the Rebbe knows, said Shmuel Brun, I own a distillery making mashka and strong spirits. There's a government tax on every gallon of spirits that is distilled. How does the government know how much tax to charge? The quantity of spirits is ascertained through a special meter that is attached to the tap of the huge vat in which the mashke is made. As the spirit flows through the tap into barrels and bottles, the meter tracks the quantity of gallons. From time to time, a government inspector comes, looks at the meter, and makes sure that the tap is not being tampered with, and then presents me with a bill for the government tax, which of course I pay as I know I must run my business honestly. Everything had been going well, until it seems that amongst my employees there are several non-Jews, one of whom is a thief. He drilled a hole into the vat of Mashke, in the back, and he drew out alcohol, which he secretly sold to his friends and kept all the money. So he was robbing not only me, but also the czar, as the taxes were not being paid. How long this went on I do not know, but recently the thief was surprised by another employee of mine. This other employee was just as dishonest as the first. The thief offered this other employee bribe, which he refused. He demanded an equal share in the business. 
So the two culprits continued their dirty business as partners until they fell out and got into an argument. Each accused the other of cheating. The argument led to a fight. And finally, the second partner went and told the police on the original thief. The police came and confirmed that the thief had indeed drilled a hole in the back of the vat to illegally siphon off Mashka. They arrested the thief, who admitted drawing off alcohol illegally, but he claimed that he was ordered to do so by me. I do not know whether this was his own idea or if the police told him to tell this story, but the thief put the whole blame on me. He was released and I was arrested. With considerable effort, my family got me out on bail until the trial, and I immediately hurried here, Rebbe. I don't have to mention how serious the crime is. I am faced with complete financial ruin, and I might get several years of hard labor in Siberia. Chas v'sholom. Shmuel Brun broke down again as he realized the seriousness of his position. He had to face judges and jurors who were anti-Semites and who would eagerly accept the sworn testimony of a thief even though they knew it to be false, and there was no way for him to prove his innocence. A sigh escaped his heart as he finally uttered the words of David HaMelech in Tehillim, Me'ayin Yahweh Ezri, from where will my help come? The Rebbe had been listening carefully to Shmubrin's story. The Rebbe thought for a moment and then said, Me'ayin Yahweh Ezri. Me'ayin also means, from nothing, from nowhere, will my help come. Hashem's help often comes in an unexpected way. Have faith in Hashem, said the Rebbe, and remember, if you meet a fellow Jew in trouble who will also say the words, Me'ayin Yahweh Ezri, help him, fill his ayin, fill your friend's need, and Hashem will fill yours. Greatly encouraged and with renewed hope, Reb Shmuel Brun returned home. On entering the base medrash for Shachris, everyone present greeted him warmly and wished him Hatzlacha that he should be cleared of the false charges. He also learned of a calamity that had befallen another Jew in town just the night before. Reb Chaim de Reuter, who had a red beard, had lost everything in a fire, Loyalenu. Reb Chaim davened in the same shul as Reb Shmuel, and they were close friends. Reb Chaim had a large family with many small children to feed, and he supported also his married daughter and her husband. Reb Chaim's source of income was a kretschma, which was also a guest house, close to the Dnieper River, which flowed through the town. Traffic on the river was very heavy. There was a steady flow of lumber, floating down in rafts, and the raftsmen would often stop at Chaim's kretschma for some food and drink, and occasionally even to stay the night. So Chaim's income seemed secure, but now everything had gone with the fire, which had destroyed the inn and left him and his family homeless. This calamity that befell poor Chaim touched Reb Shmuel so that he forgot his own trouble. When davening finished, Reb Shmuel made his way to the river where he found Reb Chaim 
walking amongst the smoldering ruins of his formerly prosperous Kretschma. Seeing Reb Shmuel, who he had not seen since Reb Shmuel's arrest, Reb Chaim rushed to him, and they embraced warmly. Shmuel Brin was so moved by Chaim's excitement at seeing him out of prison. With the destruction all around him, Shmuel tried to console his stricken friend and to strengthen his courage. At the same time, he asked Chaim how much money would he need to rebuild the Kerechma. Chaim told him, and Shmuel offered to lend him the money without interest and without hesitation. What are you saying, Reb Shmuel? said Reb Chaim. How can I accept a loan from you? You yourself are in such a predicament. Your own business is under lock and key. You're facing an expensive trial. No, I can't accept a loan from you at this time. You will need every grush. I don't even know when I could repay you, but don't worry. Hashem is good. He will not let me down. Somehow I will get back on my feet. Don't we say and tell him, May I and Yahweh Ezri? From where will my help come? And the Pasa continues, My help will come from Hashem, the creator of heaven and earth. Suddenly Reb Shmuel remembered the Rebbe's words. They seemed to him like a nevuah, like prophecy. Now was his chance to help another Jew in distress and thereby help himself. He begged Reb Chaim to accept his loan. Reb Chaim finally agreed to accept only part of it, but Shmuel remembered the Rebbe's words. Fill your friend's need and Hashem will fill yours so he knew that he had to take care of Chaim fully, not halfway, so he would not let go until Chaim agreed to accept the full amount. Shmuel Brun rushed home, feeling so excited. He didn't even stop to eat any food. He got the money and rushed back to Chaim and gave it to him. Chaim was so moved by his friend's eagerness to help him. He benched his friend that he too should be helped just as he had helped him. Days and weeks went by until the day of the trial arrived. Reb Shmuel went to the courtroom and sat on the chair of the accused. His friends and community left their stores and gathered in the base medrash to say Tillam and Davin for Shmuel's acquittal. The more prominent members of the community appeared in the courtroom to testify to Shmuel's good character and his honesty. But things did not seem to go well. The prosecutor called to the witness stand, the two dishonest workers, the thieves, who swore that they had already found the tap in the tank, that they were stealing alcohol only for their boss, who wanted to avoid paying taxes. The prosecutor made a fiery speech, describing Reb Shmuel as a swindler who used his poor workers for the scheme. He demanded the highest penalty under the law. In his defense, Shmuel Brun could only declare again that he was innocent, that the guilty ones were the ones accusing him falsely of the crime which they had committed themselves, unbeknownst to him. Hashem is my witness that I am innocent, he said, with tears in his eyes. Then came the judge's turn to sum up the trial and instruct the jury. He pointed out to the jurors that the whole case 
rested on one question. Who to believe? Are the two witnesses to be believed? said the judge, who had themselves admitted being parties to the crime. Or should the accused Reb Shmuel be believed in his claim of innocence? This you, the jury, will decide. But I wish to conclude with a story that will help you in your decision. Once upon a time, continued the judge, a young boy, the son of a nobleman, was traveling on a train by himself. At one point on his long journey, he had to change trains. He got off the train at the station, and while waiting for his connecting train, he entered the restaurant. When he returned to his luggage, it was gone, and with it his money and his train ticket. The poor boy was in despair. For several days, he sat in the waiting room at the station, sleeping on the hard bench, with no money. Nobody seemed to notice him. He had no way to contact his parents or any of his family, and he was too proud to ask for help. Then another passenger got up at the station, a young merchant. One look at the boy convinced the merchant that the boy had not eaten for several days. He realized that the boy was apparently of noble descent. So the stranger took the boy into the restaurant and told him to order a meal at his expense. The boy accepted the stranger's hospitality and told him his story, how he came to this sorry state of affairs. The stranger then bought him a ticket so he could continue to his destination and gave him some extra money for the trip before seeing him off on the next train. Before he left, the boy asked for the name and address of the merchant so that his family could repay the debt. But the stranger declined. But the merchant de- but the merchant declined to give it to him, saying that some day the boy would grow up and have an opportunity to help another person in distress, and this would be reward enough for the merchant. While the judge was telling the story, Shmuel Brun was too engrossed in his thoughts to listen very carefully. But soon the story began to ring a bell in his head. Members of the jury, said the judge, the boy in the story was none other than myself, and the good stranger, the merchant who helped me in my distress, was none other than this accused, the Jew Shmuel Brun. For years I have cherished the image of his face in my mind, hoping some day to meet him again to repay my debt to him. I did not recognize him when he first appeared in court, but his words sounded true to me. I believed him. Then I recognized him, even though it was many years ago. This man is no liar. This man is no thief a man that could be so charitable to a total stranger and graciously part with a substantial sum of money to help another in distress without thought of repayment, could not be capable of the crime of which he is falsely accused just to make a few ruble on stolen vodka. And therefore I instruct the jury, the verdict is up to you. And indeed, the jury only took a few minutes to decide 
that Reb Shmuel Brun was not guilty. But Reb Shmuel Brun did not hear the verdict. His mind was filled with the voice of his holy Rebbe, the Rebbe Maharash, Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch. Fill the need of another in distress, and Hashem will fill your need. Thank you.